0: Greetings and salutations from Times Square, crossroads of the world. This is the Muni Lowdown, produced by DebtWire Municipals, where we talk about this week's most interesting stories in the municipal bond market. And I am your host, Young Lim, desk editor at DebtWire Municipals. Okay, it is Tuesday, March 10, 2020. And welcome to the Muni Lowdown. We have a, a special podcast where we're focusing on The coronavirus, where it's impacting everyone's lives, Uh, and especially we're going to look at how it's affecting the muni market. Today, we have four reporters here to talk about their respective states and regions. We've got from our New York office, Maria Monte and Patrick Ferguson, and from Chicago, Kaylin Devitt, and from Miami, Florida, Simone Barabo. So, welcome, everybody. Good morning. So, let's start with Maria. Maria, you cover California, the state with the largest population in the U.S., about 40 million. What's going on there?
1: So in California, uh, their budget is very dependent on uh, earnings from capital gains. And one of the things that we're looking to see is what happens with the May revise of the governor's budget. Uh, Personal income tax and sales tax make up 90 percent of state revenue in California. Uh, And so it could lead to a the necessity of a potential adjustment as they look to their fiscal 21 uh, year.
0: Okay. Um, Now, do you think some of the states uh, you cover, I know Colorado as well, are some states more susceptible to these markets' blips than others, would you say?
1: Absolutely. Uh, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, California, all are very dependent on their capital gains income, um, and they make up a, a substantial component of those budgets more so than other states. So any market boom they experience it more and any market bust they experience it a little bit more as well. And so there is potential for impact in all of these states not only next fiscal year but also but this current one.
0: Okay. And do you think there's something else can be done to mitigate some of the fiscal stress?
1: At this point I think I'm not sure. Um, right now, I am aware, and I think everyone's it's on their mind, that it impacts every pension system, every endowment, every investment. CalPERS um, is worth $400 billion or it was at the start of uh, this market downturn. And they're down at least $15 billion uh, just a week or two into um, these concerns mounting. Uh, I think it's just a matter of waiting and seeing what happens next.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, like you said, uh, New York and New Jersey have both uh, declared a state of emergency mm-hmm. in the area. So,
1: Ca- uh, California as well.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure Connecticut would be next too. Exactly. All right, let's move on to uh, Kaylin. Thanks, Maria. So, Kaylin, you covered the Midwest. Tell me what's going on there in terms of uh, the impact the coronavirus has out there.
2: Well, Illinois joined um, the states you guys just mentioned in declaring a state of emergency yesterday. I think we're going to probably see that. Um, you know, across the country, partly it's just because it helps them, you know, all the governors who are doing it are reminding everyone it's sort of an operational move that allows them to unlock more federal money and get um, and unlock reimbursements. So that's part of the reason they're doing it. In the Midwest, you know, we're watching a couple states closer than others. Illinois is a big one because as our listeners probably know, it's the um, lowest rated state in the union and it has essentially no reserves. So that's going to be um, more of a concern for Illinois, where we have, I believe, the most amount of cases in the Midwest. As of yesterday, it was up to 11, but it's such a moving target. It doesn't even matter to sort of mention them. And um, so, you know, Congress last week passed that bill there's an 8.3 billion dollar emergency coronavirus federal funding bill and i think about 950 million of that is going to go to states and locals and half of that was in the next 30 days so we're going to see a ramp up in federal funding under that illinois expects to get about 15 million so we'll look for that michigan which we're also looking at expects about 15 million and a lot of the other states don't quite know yet um, how much they're going to be getting because you kind of have to figure it out based on a formula. It, so if you compare a state like Illinois, which has no reserves and is going to have to start looking at its spending, you can look at Indiana, AAA rated, which has a its its surplus, its rainy day fund is expected to be like $2.3 billion this year. So um, there's a big difference there in terms of how they can handle it. And like Maria kind of mentioned about California, you know, the interesting thing is a lot of these states like Illinois and in the Midwest are c- crafting their budgets now. They're on a June 30 fiscal year end. So they're going to have that. And Michigan's an exception. They're October 1st, start of their fiscal, um, fiscal year. So a lot of the states are going to have to start revising. They're going to have revised revenue. Uh, for sure, their, their revenue estimate people are going to have to come back. Illinois has already said that they expect to have to do that. Usually, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But I talked to the, one of the revenue guys, and he said, yeah, he thinks for sure they're going to have to come back to you know revise downward w- the amount of money that lawmakers are going to have to deal with, and also they're going to have to all the states are going to have to balance their current year budgets. They're going to have to end their year with current with balanced budget so you're going to see supplemental probably appropriations michigan is doing that this week i talked to a budget person yesterday and he said that they expect to go work with the legislature this week to try to hammer out a supplemental bill uh spending bill that will include many things including coronavirus they expect to have to tap their general fund so it's still a moving target but hits on spending and hits on revenue um are expected in the Midwest, as probably nationally.
0: Just out of curiosity, Caitlin, I know today Michigan has a big primary. You haven't heard any news about that. I'm sure it'll be going on as usual because I know a lot, a lot of large events are being canceled uh, nationwide and around the world. Uh, but I, I'm sure nothing's changing with the, at least the primaries that you know of.
2: I think that the primaries going on as usual. I mean, I know here in Illinois we have ours next week on the 17th, and. They're rearranging a bunch of the polling places. You know, um, for example, downstate the Quincy Veterans Home, which has been in the news a lot over the last few years because it had a big Legionnaires' outbreak. That's a big polling place. They're gonna, so they pulled it out of there, and the same is going to happen in Chicago, where they're going to be rearranging the polling places. And then they're also, you know, Michigan and everywhere enc- encouraging early voting. Now it's too late in Michigan, but they're still doing it here in Illinois um, because you don't know what. The complexion is going to look like in a week. We don't know how much people are going to be moving around.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I'm going to uh, uh, ask to all the reporters now uh, later that you know if there's anything about large uh, gatherings being counted in your area, let us know. But thank you, Caitlin. So let's move on to Patrick. I know um, you cover the state of Washington, but you're from Washington yourself. Yeah, that's right. And I know it's uh, in a way a sad uh, news because a lot of deaths were there in the state of Washington. What else do you know about the state and the other states that you cover?
3: Well, most of the deaths in the United States have been in Washington State. So the latest count I saw, uh, it was that 22 people have died from the coronavirus, and another 130 or so have tested positive for the virus in Washington State. Um, The University of Washington and other community colleges in the region have canceled classes uh, to at least the end of the month. Uh, on March 4th, the state government passed a bill to allocate 100 million from its stabilization fund to uh, its disaster response fund and another 25 million from its general fund to its op- office of financial management to. Uh, help fight the outbreak and prevent the outbreak of the coronavirus in the state. Um, I think from the the federal bill that was passed, um, Washington state sets to receive about $8 million um, from that, with maybe some more funds earmarked for to be uh, allocated uh, a little bit later. Um, kind of interesting. The University of Washington Medical Center, so that's the hospital attached to the University of Washington, has opened up a drive-through testing clinic. <laughs> so I they, saw that on news. Yeah. Yeah. So they took one of the, the levels of one of the parking garages and turned into a testing clinic, so they can test you without leaving, you having to leave your car, and they you know tested within five minutes. Um, so we'll see what. Five minutes, you know. So with well, five minutes, yeah. Wow. So we'll see how that. Uh, Um, that that works to to prevent further outbreak and then and uh and the governor so governor inslee has uh spoken about restricting um large gatherings or having some sort of uh codes or provisions from uh, stopping uh people from from gathering and a a certain uh, a certain uh, uh amount of people we haven't seen any action on that that's just kind of been talk um and then in uh, some other states in Texas. Twelve people have identified with the virus. There's been 14 in Oregon, uh, two cases in Nevada, uh, but I mean no deaths there. And really, I was giving the the um, Oregon and Texas uh, governments a call. Uh, nothing they don't I haven't seen. there's no legislation there to create any state funds or at least not yet although they, they both said it's a moving situation and something could develop rapidly uh, in Nevada there's been some talk of putting some provisions in so health insurance don't price gouge uh, patients on for testing for the coronavirus um, and then also of Nevada you know we've seen some uh, we saw a drop in the casino and entertainment stocks earlier. So we're talking about MGM uh, Resorts, Las Vegas Stans Corp, Caesar Entertainment, and some other brands. So, you, uh, you know, I think with disasters, but also in other, let's say, recessions or financial moments, you know, the tourism industry is very susceptible to this. And especially uh, Las Vegas, where, you know, we're taking a lot of people from out of state, and so I know that the uh, state um, analysts, financial analysts, are looking at um, flight numbers to the state, which the February numbers will come out in March. So we, we won't have the March numbers until later, but um, that's something they're definitely looking at. They're
1: canceling so much. Um, I do Cycle for Survival that was canceled last weekend here in new york um uh, i'm aware of a tennis tournament in palm springs california that was canceled um magni apparently is not hosting its uh, march luncheon these it, it everything's getting canceled flights are so cheap it's amazing what how um people are responding to this
0: okay thanks patrick thank you all right let's move on to uh Miami and Simone Barabo. I know you cover uh, not just the state of Florida, but you cover some territories as well. Tell us what's going on in your neck of the woods.
4: Right. So I'm based in Florida. And as of this morning, there are 19 confirmed cases here. We have the inauspicious honor of being the first East Coast state to have had deaths from the coronavirus. And the coronavirus is particularly bad for Florida, not for the reasons that Maria was citing for the the states in the northeast, but because we're a tourism state. There's that Concrete Jungle song by Alicia Keys about New York being the place where dreams are made and the Will Smith song about being, <laughs> the Miami being the town where you could spend a few days. And there's really some truth in these songs about how our economies work. And, you know, in Miami, even if you're not a tourist, it's hard to avoid... The risky areas like this weekend, my husband took me out on a surprise date, which was fun, but it ended up inadvertent, uh, inadvertently being a coronavirus tour of the city. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, it was that, our babysitter works at a hospital and we went to an escape room, which isn't a particularly touristy thing to do. But then when we left the escape room, the closest place to eat was Bayside Market, which is where all the cruise passengers are funneled through. Ooh. So yeah, so these are things you think about in retrospect. And I should note, there have been no coronavirus cases in Miami-Dade County, which is where Miami is obviously, but there have been at the port in Broward County. So the legislature is concerned, of course. We are home to beaches, we're home to Disney. If the tourists stop coming, there's going to be an economic downturn. So the legislature as part of budget discussions for next year's budget has agreed to put 25 million into coronavirus spending. And they've also, and the coronavirus has also helped end the legislature's bid to kill visit Florida, which is Florida's Tourism Bureau. So to move on to Guam, Yang mentioned I cover territories and Guam's likely to be the most affected. Guam is Florida taken to the extreme. Guam is the US. It's a territory. I point this out because it's a bit of a forgotten one living all the way out in the Pacific. And the one thing they have going for them, at least as of last Friday, and I believe still, is that they have no cases of coronavirus in their borders unlike Florida. But Florida has a relatively deep economy, and Guam is very tourism-reliant. And while Florida's tourists come from other U.S. states or within Florida or Latin America or all over, really, almost 90% of Guam's tourists come from two countries, South Korea and Japan. And that's the problem because flights are disproportionately being cut from South Korea and Japan. President Trump has said they're considering blocking Trump travel from those two countries altogether. They, meaning the federal government, is considering blocking travel from those two countries altogether, as they have with Iran and China. So... This would obviously be devastating to Guam. And when I say Guam is dependent on tourism, about 35% of its general fund spending comes from tax revenue derived from tourism. Their economy is already shrinking. It started to shrink in 2018. They're very close to their debt ceiling. They frequently run short of cash. The US's tax overall in 2017 really hurt them because their tax code mirrors the federal government, so they lost a lot of revenue. So they're already near the edge. And for the last few days of February, tourism was dropping off by double digits according to preliminary numbers. And a few days, obviously, it's not a trend, but it's also an ominous sign. So when I've spoken to them, mainly Guam's hoping to ride out the storm in terms of containing any outbreak And again, one doesn't exist there right now. Guam speaker Tina Rose Munia Barnes proposed legislation that would take up to a million dollars out of their rainy day fund to be used on proactive prevention efforts like screening equipment or medical supplies or the leasing of quarantine facilities or whatever. If there's an outbreak on Guam, the medical system there has also been cash trapped for years. So you can see it spreading there more than in Florida or other U.S. states. And our legislature is also considering bills that would help in the event the coronavirus has a negative economic impact on the territory because of reduced tourism. The legislature is looking to free up spending controls, and it's convened a group of fiscal experts to coordinate the legislature and the executive government's response and to, and this is a quote, to prepare for Guam's impending comeback. They're also working on uh, legislation to allocate funds to the Guam Visitors Bureau. So to some extent, they're hoping to ride out the storm. And Speaker Munya Barnes said that they've been through this before with SARS. They've been through it with the swine flu, with the bird flu before that. So if this is temporary, this is going to be a bad year for them, but they'll survive it. If it ends up being prolonged, that'll be more of a problem. And we've seen before, the other thing about Guam is that it's small, right? So we've seen before what happens when you get this type of economic shock to territory in the Virgin Islands, when their oil refinery shut down in 2012, obviously that's not a disease, but that's a huge economic shock. You saw the economy shrink by 25% in three years, and that's something they're still struggling to recover from. It was bad. But on the other hand, Guam is strategically important to the U.S. in a way that the Caribbean territories aren't. There are lots of military troops in Guam. If there are tensions with China... And at this point, that's not a non-issue. The military base there is important. So investors and analysts have pointed out that the U.S. government is unlikely to let that territory not have a functioning police force or a water and sewage system. And, you know, it's more likely that you get federal support if this ends up being disastrous.
0: Well, you're right, Simone. I think uh, we, we when you think about territories, are... Commonwealth. We pretty much talk about Puerto Rico, but you do cover, like you said, Guam and the Virgin Islands and the Northern Mariana Islands as well. So something to think about out there.
4: Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. Um, Thank you for that. I've got a couple of quick questions. Um, I got one for you, Maria. I know we cover higher ed. And I know, um, I think Princeton said that students who are on spring spring break right now, when they're at the end of spring break, don't come back. Basically, they want to do virtual classes. What have you heard from other schools or universities, I think a lot of them are already shutting down classes.
1: Yeah, that's happening quite frequently. Um, Many study abroad programs are either being put on hold or altogether uh, canceled. Um, Lots of virtual learning and uh, lots of concern on colleges campuses uh, at this point.
0: Okay. And I got a question for you, Caitlin. Uh, Caitlin, you're out in Chicago. I know there's a big uh, convention center out at, I believe it's Met Pier, and I think there's been some major cancellations so far.
2: Yeah, the, um, the city's seen four, can- four conventions canceled, and you know, sort of a back-of-the-envelope cost to the city of that is about $90 million. You know, a lot of this stuff, when you talk to people, people expect a lot of stuff to be rebooked. Maybe the second half of the year you're going to see um, uh, kind of people coming back and sort of spending so that they they have canceled now. So you don't know, you know, what the long-term impact is going to be. But certainly with Chicago and a little bit like what Simone was talking about, when you've got these governments that are on the edge, that are on the tightrope, these sort of losses can really uh, push them over. So, yeah, Chicago is looking at, like, as of now, there's going to be more corporate events canceled, I'm sure. But as of now, there's been four. Like I said, it's about $90 million. The state, The city's amusement taxes and hotel taxes and business taxes and tourism, I mean, it's a, it makes up a big part of the, of the general fund budget, like maybe 10%, maybe more. So, um, so we're waiting to see, like everybody else.
0: Right, and I know uh, one last quest- question, Kayla. I know you have uh, you have a kid in school. Are, are any of the schools like closing to at least temporarily to clean or anything like that? Have you heard anything out in Chicago?
4: Well,
2: one of the early cases, like I said earlier, we have eleven as of today. I'm sure it's going to go up, but one I think the sixth or seventh case was an aide in a Chicago public school at a high school. And so they've closed that school, and everybody who was in that school, the, the students and the staff, are in self-quarantine until March 18th. Um, not the families of those people, and not the buses, because all the kids, you know, like my kid, they all ride kind of buses together. So, um, so they closed that school. But so far, they're saying that they, you know, that they've been able to, you know, that, that aid has brought other cases to her immediate family, but supposedly not so far in that school. You know, so I they haven't done anything yet. I think that um, they probably will. And, like, you know, just to go back to Met Peer for a second, we saw Met Peer did some updated disclosure today talking about what they think the economic impact is going to be. I would look for Chicago Public Schools to be doing that, too. I'd be looking for anybody who's coming to market to be really doing some updated disclosure, talking about, you know, the uncertainty of this, and we don't know what the final impact is going to be. <clears throat> and with Chicago public schools, you know, we're looking for. I I think we're probably going to see closures, but I'm just guessing.
0: Right. Okay. And Patrick, you know how you're from Washington, and they said there's a lot of deaths outside of a. It keeps changing. Like I think New York, Washington State, and California have a lot of, a lot of deaths. Um, but a lot of
3: cases. Yeah. yeah, a lot
0: of cases. And we're here in New York, so I, and I know the MTA and both you and Ray as well. You guys take the subway. And I you take the bus as well too. I know. Mm-hmm. In I go from New Jersey, and the Port Authority seems like. I don't see anyone cleaning anything. Like it looks the same. But I see on the news that so they're cleaning the subways like every seventy two hours. Have you seen any like cleaning? I haven't pe- seen
1: that personally, but I've seen it on the news that um they're doing that.
0: And you think there's less crowds? People are saying the mayor has asked people to work from home. You see less do you notice the last few days any difference on the subways?
3: I, I really haven't noticed anything. I know uh, you know, a few days ago, maybe a week ago, uh, everybody, or not everybody, a lot of people were wearing masks. Oh, yeah. A lot of people, you could tell that there was some um, hesitation, apprehension of people touching all the, you know, everything in the subway. But uh, really, it seems kind of business as usual. Seems.
1: Two weeks ago, I full on saw somebody wearing a respirator, but other than that, yeah. uh, business as
0: usual. Business is as usual, but um, yeah. And
1: everything's canceled.
4: That makes me wonder how it'll it'll end up being with travel. I was speaking with a bondholder who happened to work in New York, and he was debating going out to L.A. for a conference or something. And he was saying, you know, a flight to L.A. has got to be less – and staying there for several days and coming back has got to be less risky than taking the MTA twice a day, you know? So I, I wonder how long – With the travel, we're going to keep this up, and I mean, flights are obviously being cut. People are cutting back on their travel plans. It's it's pretty obvious that that's happening. But if it's not happening in the MTA, I mean, how long will it be till people are just like, look, I take, you know, I have to take a risk to live my life? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting because everything's a domino effect. People don't travel, then people don't go anywhere, and there's less, there's more impact on businesses and government. So it's something that we obviously are monitoring and continuing to uh, look into. But uh, that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank my, the participants today, Simon Barabell, Kaylin Devitt, Patrick Ferguson, and Maria Monte. Thank you to Christian, our producer, for making us sound good. I'm sorry, Christian Ayala. And uh, that, But most of all, thanks to you, to you, our listeners out there who check in weekend after week on debtwire.com for the latest on distressed munis. Take care, everybody out there, and have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Muni Lowdown with me, your host, Young Lim. If you want to know more, subscribe to DebtWire.com and follow us on social media. Please leave comments, rate, like, and share. Join us next week when we talk about the latest in the municipal bond market.